they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went into the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it if for someone to what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can any what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Thank you very much. Now, um, one of the other things that the task force are doing for us in this service is they're helping the kids to get one of these sheets. And we realised that on the way in, uh, we ran out. So not all the kids have got one of these sheets. These sheets are designed for uh, you guys to help follow this next bit. Uh, And they're designed to be useful for people between the ages of four and about 14. I know that's a big age gap. If you haven't got one of these sheets, just hold your hand up and the task force can bring one round. Um, And let me just explain what we're going to do now. Um, If you're not used to coming to church, thank you so much for being here today. We just want to start by saying that's a really brave thing. And can I just draw your attention to these big banners either side of me? We believe three things as a church. We believe God works through us. So God is at work even in this service now. We believe that people need to hear of Jesus, which is why we're so excited that you're with us this morning, because you can hear about Jesus. That's why we ran the Adventurers Club, so that kids can hear about Jesus. And we believe that nothing beats knowing Jesus. And that's what this time is about. What we're going to try and do, we believe that God speaks through the words that we've just read, 
And so what I'm going to try and do for about 15, maybe 20 minutes is explain what they mean and try and convince you that nothing beats knowing Jesus. And I can't do that on my own. So I'm going to pray um, that God will help us as we do that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the book of Mark that talks about the Lord Jesus. And thank you that he's still relevant today. Please, Father, as we read these words written a long time ago, would they come to life because you're speaking to us, I pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to change the overhead. Another thing that should help you, I hope, is a few pictures behind me. What is the biggest question, kids, that you have ever been asked? What's the biggest question that you've ever been asked? You see, some questions are really small. What do you want for breakfast? You've answered that question already this morning. Some are important in that moment, like, where is that school bag? Some are important for a longer period of time. And when you're young, when mum and dad do a lot for you, quite a lot of the questions are either unimportant or only important for a short time. But as you get older, you have to face bigger and bigger questions. They can start small. Where is your school bag? Are you ready for adventurers? But they can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Which big school do you want to go to? Who's in your class? What GCSEs do you want to take? What do you want to do with your life? Do you want to get married? Who to? Big questions. But there's one question that towers over all the other questions that we read in the passage that the task force helped us to see. And that's this. The biggest question ever, bigger than where is your school bag, the question that Jesus asked then and is still asking today is this. And it's a question without an age limit. That's why we ran the Adventurers Club. This is the question. Who do you say I am? So, who is Jesus? Now, this is a question that's personal. It's asked by Jesus to a group of people. It's a question that was asked about 2,000 years ago. But it's a question that is still important today. Look how the conversation goes. Look in your Bible down at at Mark 8 verse 27 to 30. Jesus and his disciples were going to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, the disciples gave an answer. Some people say John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Other people say one of the prophets. All of these answers reveal that Jesus is important. I would imagine that everybody here, to different levels perhaps, would say that Jesus is important. 
But you see, that's not what Jesus is driving for here. Jesus makes the question personal. Look at verse 29. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? What about you? Who do you say I am? If Jesus asked you, whatever your age, and if he asked you today, which he does through these words that we've read, what would you say? Or what do you say? He does ask you. Would you say, you are important, Jesus? Or would you answer like Peter did? You see, Peter uses a really important word in the Bible. Do you see it there in verse 29? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are Messiah. And Messiah means chosen one. There are many important people, but only one most important. King is another way of putting it. There is only one king or queen in the country. One single king, though, Jesus is saying, not just in the country, but over the whole world. Let me put it another way. Peter pins all his hopes on one person, Jesus. There's a kid's song that says it well. Jesus, number one, right at the top where he belongs. Who he is and what he's done makes Jesus number one. It's easy to sing, but it's a lot harder to live. Is Jesus number one? It doesn't matter how old you are. Do you want Jesus to be number one? And how did Peter ever get there? Well, it's a question that's based on evidence. You don't just throw out an answer to this one. Jesus didn't ask Peter the first time he met him. You see, Mark has been revealing to us who Jesus is since the very start of the gospel. In Mark chapter 1 verse 1, where he wrote this, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's our first bit of information. And the rest of the book provides the rest. That's why it's such good news that you adventurers were listening to the evidence this week. You see, Mark says in chapter 1, 29 to 34, that he has authority over sickness, over evil. The whole town gathers at the door of a house that Jesus is in, and Jesus heals everyone. Or in Mark chapter 2, which Mike talked about when he was giving the recap, when Jesus met a paralyzed man, he healed the man. But look what he said in verse 5. He's more concerned about the man's sin than about the man's legs. Jesus is a powerful healer, yes, but he came for something far more important. He came to forgive sin. And that's the clue to the strange story that we read right at the start of our reading. I wonder if you can look at it. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. You see, if Jesus can heal a whole town... Why can't he get it right first time with this blind guy? Why can't he just give the guy perfect vision 
first time. Well, of course, he can. But he heals the man in two parts to teach us something, to tell us a story, to point us to Jesus. And Mark's saying this, to understand who Jesus is, it is personal, it is evidence-based, but it is also revealed. Jesus needs to give you glasses to see who he is. The blind man couldn't see, but Peter and the disciples were starting to see. The blind man had his eyes open, but not fully. If we're going to see who Jesus is, we need to pray that our eyes also are opened to see who he is. Then we can look at the evidence. Then we can answer that personal question that Jesus asks us. So, who do you say that Jesus is? I urge you to look at the evidence. Why not go home and read Mark's gospel? Why not Go and ask a friend, maybe someone that invited you here to this service, to read the book of Mark with you or to read the book of John with you. We've got one-to-one Bible studies that can walk you through that. Why not pick one up at the end? If you go to the FYI area, which was the first thing that you saw when you came through the door, you can go there and sign up to read the Bible with someone one-to-one. And within a week, we'll get back to you and we will get someone who's willing to read the Bible with you. And as you do so, will you pray? Will you pray that through the words that God has written down in the book of Mark, in the book of John, in the whole of the Bible, will you pray that through those, God will open your eyes? And again, it can happen at any age. It can happen at four years old through coming along weekly to adventurers. It can happen at eight years old by coming along to Fusion. It can happen at 11 years old by coming along to JF. It can happen in YPF. It can happen as adults. It can happen through our old people's ministry. But will you pray that God will reveal himself to you? Because you see, Peter thought he had it so right He just got the answer right to the biggest Bible quiz in the world. But he goes from hero to zero pretty quickly. You see, Jesus sees. In fact, Peter sees Jesus. But he doesn't quite see why he came. So we're going to look secondly, why did he come? And look with me down at the next section, 31 to 33. You see, Peter has a problem. He confesses with his mouth that Jesus is the Messiah, the one king. But actually, he has such a fixed view of what that king must look like that he can't follow Jesus as he is. You see, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to follow Jesus on his terms not on ours. You know, you might be the parent of a little adventurer now, or you might be a little adventurer right now, and you might be four years old, thinking that it's going to be such a long time until you turn 17, and someone hands you, perhaps, the keys to a car. So as parents, they start small, but they, let me tell you, they do grow up pretty quick. And one day, you'll probably face this. You have to take the keys of a car 
that you pay the repair bill for. And you hand them over to someone who you've seen grow up, who probably is a little bit less mature than you would hope they were at 17. They were probably a little less skilled in driving a car than you would hope they would be. You probably realise that driving a car doesn't descend from heaven. It's learnt here on earth. And you're the person chosen to teach them to drive. And that involves you taking those precious keys and letting go of them from your hand and letting them put them in the ignition turn the key, engage first gear, and drive. And it's just like that with handing over the keys of your life to King Jesus. It's no easier than handing the keys over to a car and letting someone young drive. Just like that, but you can't, you see, when you're the parent in the car, you, unless you've got dual control... You can't stop the car when you want to. Similarly, if you hand over the keys, to your, the keys of your life to King Jesus, he decides where you go. He decides when you stop. And that is a scary thing. You see, this is Peter's problem, and it's our problem as well. Peter had a fixed view of what Jesus would do as Messiah. Maybe you've got a fixed view of, of what you think Jesus should do in your life. But Messiah means number one. You see, Peter wanted a Messiah made in Peter's image. But Jesus needs to teach Peter that Messiah is in God's image. That's what he's doing now. If you and I are to call Jesus number one in our lives, which we should, we need to give the key of our life over to him. And we find it hard. We especially find it hard when we read verse 31. Because when we read where Jesus is going, we think surely that can't be the right place. Look at verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed, and after three days he must rise again. You see, Peter didn't realise that Jesus' agenda was bigger than his. The enemy wasn't Rome, Peter. Peter thought that Jesus, as the Messiah, would come and kick the Romans out and maybe make him uh, prime minister of the country. But actually, Jesus has a much bigger agenda. Defeating Rome would mean that Peter's greatest enemy was undefeated. Peter wanted victory now, but Jesus was playing the longer game. Jesus was willing to suffer now for an eternal victory then. Peter wanted promotion now. Jesus was willing to be buried now. So that in rising, Peter would never die again. You see, Peter wanted victory now on earth. Jesus wanted victory forever. A death now, Jesus going to the cross now would open the way for Peter to live forever. And it's the same for you, and it's the same for me. Jesus going to the cross then means that you and I, 
who don't deserve to be forgiven can say, Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for dying. Please, would you take my sin, my rebellion against you, please would you take that? Would you pay for it on the cross that I can be forgiven? That makes you a Christian. You see, Peter had a box that he wanted Jesus to stay in. But Jesus is the true Messiah that came on his mission, not ours. Now, if you struggle to let Jesus be in charge of your life, start here. Jesus came to beat our greatest enemy, sin and death. Start there. Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sin? Have you asked Jesus to pay the price on the cross that you can't afford to pay? And when you start there, when you realize how poor you are to pay for your own sin, how inadequate you are to pay that debt, you understand how wonderful Jesus is to pay for it. And that's an invitation that anybody can accept, anybody of any age. And then you just have one more question to answer. And that's this. What should I do? Now, please let me play a little game with all of us. It will really help the talk at this point. Um, we're going to have a little game of Simon Says. Please take to your feet and be willing to be defeated by your four-year-old child. So please, on your feet. It's quite easy, but it will become really important. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So, Simon says, stand up. You've already done it. Brilliant. Simon says, touch your nose. Simon says, hop on one leg if you're able. Simon says, shake hands with the person behind you. And you can stop hopping on one leg, Simon says, to, in order to do that. Simon says, turn around and face me. Sit down. Oh, you're good. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, this is the end of the game. And Simon says, give yourselves a round of applause. You did very well. We were a little bit low on enthusiasm at the start, just like a kid's party when the dads don't want to play. But by the end of the party, they're all in there defeating the little four-year-olds. Now, boys and girls, there are two ways that you can get out in Simon Says. The first way is this. Simon says, stand up. No! I'm not doing it. I'm not playing. And then you'll be out. So you can be out in Simon Says by refusing to play the game. What's the other way that you can be out? Some people were out when I said sit down. Who were they following? Were they following Simon? No. You see, the other way you can be out in Simon Says is by following the wrong leader. And that's exactly how you follow Jesus. You see, we can be out of following Jesus by following the wrong person. You see, Jesus is the Messiah. If we follow anybody else, we're out. And you can't play Simon Says by just following every other thing that Simon says, can you? You can only play Simon Says by following everything that Simon says. 
even if Simon says to do something really hard, like hop on one leg. I find that hard. I find it even harder to turn around and shake the hand of the person behind when you're hopping on one leg. And Jesus says, we're going to finish with this, Jesus has some really hard things for us to follow him on. The first thing he says, do do you see them there? In Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, the first thing is this. Jesus says, if we're going to follow him, we have to deny ourselves. Now, the natural thing that we all do is please ourselves. But Jesus says we have to go in the opposite direction. Be willing to lay down our agenda. Be willing to lay down our comfort. Be willing to lay down our needs and follow. He says you need to hand over the keys of, the, the car, the, uh, keys of our life to Jesus. And then promise not to grab the steering wheel again. But where is the car going with Jesus driving? Well, look at the next thing that Jesus says. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. How many people have you seen carrying a cross? Probably not very many. Well, I can tell you that carrying a cross in Peter's day, in Jesus' day, meant only one thing. And that was going to a certain death. You don't take a cross with you to the seaside. You take a cross with you to a death. So what does Jesus mean? Well, he means following him means doing things his way. The way that he does them. You see, Jesus did deny himself that we could follow him. Jesus did go to a cross that we could be forgiven. For some in the world right now, to be a Christian really does mean being willing to die. Fortunately for us, it doesn't mean that in the UK now, but it does mean a harder life. It does mean sometimes people making fun of you. I've been on a youth camp this week. The number one thing that was stopping people from loving the Lord Jesus with their whole heart was the fact that they knew their friends would take the mick out of them. It does mean that if Jesus is number one, then it does mean deny yourself. It does mean take up your cross. And lastly, it means following him. Look there at verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, Jesus gives some pointers in following him in the verse after, verse 35. He says, following him will mean giving your life away, just as he did. He says in verse 36 to 37, following him will mean appreciating what he's done to save us. A growing appreciation of the magnitude of the work that Jesus did on the cross. It means in 38 that you will prize his words and declare them before a watching world. It means in chapter 9, verse 1, a growing appreciation of the kingdom that Jesus brings. But there's only really one question for today. Do you want to follow this King Jesus? Do you want to live not under your authority, but under his authority? Who is he? Well, he says he is 
the one, Messiah. Why did he come? He came to die, that you and I can be forgiven, made friends with God. What should I do? Well, he says, follow. And that's going to mean denying yourself. It's going to mean being willing to go to a cross. It means following him, whatever. Let me pray. And then we're going to sing uh, three songs to King Jesus after we've prayed together. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for King Jesus. Thank you that he is the one. He does what we can't to forgive our sins. And he is the one that we should follow. Please help us to do that, I pray. Amen.